Hi, readers. Welcome to Books Connect Us from Penguin Random House. This is a podcast about staying connected with each other and the stories and authors who inspire us. Our guest is author Francis Cha, whose riveting debut novel, If I Had Your Face, is set in a contemporary Seoul, Korea, about four young women making their way in a world defined by impossible standards of beauty. Frances discusses themes explored in her book, including Korean beauty culture, plastic surgery, friendship, and brutal social hierarchies, and lets us know what she's reading right now. Here's our own Taylor Knoll in conversation with author Frances Cha. Hi, I'm Taylor, and I'm being joined today by Frances Cha, who is the author of If I Had Your Face. Frances, how are you? Great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for this. It's such a treat to talk to you. I read your book so many months ago, and I've been working with you on the marketing campaign. Um, and it's pub day is just around the corner, and it's it's so exciting to be at this stage, I think. Yeah, I, I've been having trouble falling asleep because I'm so, you know, my, my emotions go up and down like a roller coaster right now. It's definitely a weird time to have a debut novel come out. How, how have you been feeling about that? Well, I mean, it is still, it's a very surreal experience because to think that all the bookstores are closed right now and the news cycle is just so relentless in, in coronavirus coverage. Um, but I'm still just so grateful that it's coming out into the world and I'm really looking forward to just being over the pup date, like getting, not being beyond the pup date, because I just can't imagine what being on the other side is like. And I've been dreaming about this day for, you know, all my life, really. So it's, it's just exciting and terrifying at the same time. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your book? Of course. Um, so the book is called If I Had Your Face. And it's set in contemporary Korea and follows four young women who are originally from the provinces of Korea, but they've moved to Seoul and are struggling to carve out a life for themselves in the very kind of hyper-competitive and futuristic and very extreme society that is modern Seoul. And they live in the same apartment complex and you kind of see different stories from their different points of view and it covers a lot of the issues that contemporary soul uh, has today for being such a small country it has a lot of um, global superlatives and a lot of you know world records <laughs> in terms of uh, different issues and so I, I dive into that and I feel like at your at its core, if I had your face is really about connection and about female friendship. So I'm wondering how how are you maintaining your friendships and your relationships right now? Yes, friendship is is a huge theme in the book because these these women don't have families to fall back on and they've kind of formed their own family with their friends and kind of showcases how deeply Korean loyalty and friendships tend to run. And I've been talking to my friends more than ever before, actually. Um, it's really great to 
just ch- have no excuse. I feel like, you know, in normal life, it's rare to call people up for no reason anymore, but now it's okay. And uh, they've been calling me, I've been calling them, and and just really catching up and seeing how the pandemic is affecting each of their lives and their professional lives. It's just completely insane. <laughs> Yesterday I had a Zoom call with a friend who's a professor in Missouri and her they had been doing long distance. Her husband's in New York, so he had to fly down and they've been actually spending time together for the first time in a long time because of this. And another one is a White House correspondent. So her job is to literally be in the same room as Trump for every daily, you know, briefing. And her boyfriend is as well. And so that's been really fascinating to see how her job has evolved at this time. Yeah, I feel like I've reached out to people that I wouldn't even normally talk to. Childhood friends that I haven't heard from in years. In some ways, I feel more connected to people now more than ever. For sure. Which is a weird sentiment. And with the book coming out, um, I've had people who I haven't talked to in, in like, 25 years come and come out and say hey congrats and it's been really wonderful to connect with them and do you, you still have a lot of friends and family in korea right now right yeah all my family is in korea they were supposed to come over for the book launch so and it's just weird seeing their daily life um just pretty much be normal compared to here because they they're so far ahead in the in the curve um and just to contrast different expect like different (laughs) behavior patterns is that so weird to have it's almost like they're kind of living in the future exactly what is that like it's so funny because you know here it's really i'm in new jersey which is one of the states that has been hit the hardest and everything out of every news story out of New Jersey is some horror movie times, you know, on the most intense level. And then I call my mom this morning and she's like, oh, I just, you know, I had dinner with your brother at a restaurant, you know, following like a department store trip. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, this is so insane. It feels unfathomable that yeah. normal life continues somewhere else right now. Yeah, it's crazy. And as a writer, are you able to get work done right now? Or I know that you have your kids at home too. Oh God, no. My kids, they're two and five. They start screaming every time they can sense I'm trying to be productive. And so it's been an absolute disaster. And as an Asian American, what does it feel like for you right now? Do you feel any of that xenophobia or any of that kind of racism that we're seeing a rise in right now um because i haven't had outside contact for so long it is true that um for a while when i was going to the grocery store or something and people would swerve out of the way to avoid me i would think oh is it because i'm asian or is it because they're being equally socially distant to everybody and that always crosses my mind whenever (laughs) you know people avoid me. Um, And of course, I'm avoiding them too. (laughs) So uh, that's just an added layer of kind of thought to every action. 
And I've had a lot of friends um, write about their own personal encounters with xenophobia at this time. So collectively, as speaking um, just from their, their experiences, I do feel a heightened level of anxiety. Just one more layer of something to be anxious yeah. about right now <laughs> on top of everything else. Um, so how are you finding comfort? Are there any rituals or routines that you're turning to? Yeah, I mean, I just love being able to read uh, something completely different and funny. So I've been finding a lot of comfort in funny memoirs and being able to completely forget what's going on right now and, you know, laugh out loud. That's just the greatest escape and joy at this time. Yeah. I, so your book is not funny. I was not <laughs> oh, I no, face. my book is funny not book. <laughs> a memoir, nor is it funny. <laughs> but I do think, you know, I've, I've read it recently and I found my myself completely immersed in it. I was able to kind of escape from what's going on now. Um, Thank and you. all these women are, you know, with, with, you know, these high beauty standards and all of that. I'm wondering if, I mean, I haven't put on makeup in, in days. So it's, it's kind of interesting to read about that experience in your book in contrast with what's happening right now. Yes. Um, it's, I always try to explain that it's a different cultural mentality. The, the attitudes that women in Korea have in regards to makeup. And I feel like in the West, um, you know, it's considered kind of vain or frivolous to spend that much thought or time, even though people do still a lot. Um, but in Korea, there's also the added layer of uh, regarding it as a courtesy to the other person. So I, especially in the older generations. So if you show up to a dinner, for example, with other people, and it's very clear that you haven't put any thought into your appearance, it's considered very insulting because you think that they are not worthy of taking the time to like appear nice for them. And it's it's been interesting to see how that is kind of hard to understand um, for people who have no context of that culture. Um, so I, I always feel like I'm, a, I'm kind of being defensive <laughs> when I'm explaining Korean beauty standards, um, and it's not out of pure va vanity or frivolity. So yeah, I hope to, that's kind of what, why I explore it the way that I do in, in the book. I will, earlier on in our, our publishing cycle, I'll never forget what you said to me when we were asking about some of these, um, some of these plastic surgeries that are featured in your book. Um, and you said that plastic surgery in Korea is considered the same as braces in America. <laughs> and that has, that really stuck with me. Well, it, okay. It's not necessarily, I don't think the exact phrase was considered the same, but I always love to bring up braces as an example that does shock people in the West because I feel like, again, when um, people are thinking of plastic surgery, the attitude here is that, yeah, you should never have to change who you are um, for the sake of appearing prettier to 
another person and you should always love who you who you are and value that and of course like I agree with that <laughs> as well but you know it's it's a very different almost I wouldn't say hypocritical but it, it is um along the lines of like oh but in the west people do take a long time to get braces they spend a lot of effort and money and time and pain to straighten their teeth and that as a result does change how you look and that affects you in ways that are kind of hard to calculate but it boosts your confidence it helps you in your love life it helps you in your job interviews because you are so confident compared to before if you were insecure um, and in innumerable ways, it does affect your life. So the Korean way is more perhaps stark and <laughs> more blunt. Um, but I invite the reader to kind of reserve judgment on taking very practical steps to make your life better. And that's a big theme in the book that I get kind yeah. of defensive about it as well. <laughs> Well, you're sort of kind of straddling the two words and you're kind of an ambassador, um, which I'm sure is a very complicated role to take right now. Yeah, um, I think it's because contemporary Korea is so rarely explored in English language fiction. And so, you know, I feel this kind of burden (laughs) of having people read this and thinking that this is a generalization of all Korea and that it represents a country. And I feel like the more books get published on contemporary Korea, I'll have less of that burden. (laughs) But as of right now, um, it is all the interviews have been very laden with social um, and political questions, which I find very interesting. Yeah, this is definitely the first, if I had your face, is the first book about contemporary Korea that I've ever read. And we were doing a lot of um, competitive title research and weren't finding <laughs> many we could use. Right. Um, I, I so often, I'm wondering... yeah, for comps, when I was trying to pitch to agents uh, in the very, very beginning, and you're supposed to mention comparative titles as part of your letter. And again, I, I also couldn't find many that had originally been written in English so I ended up I think I wrote something like oh please take a look at my book it's crazy rich Asians meets Murakami but it's set in Korea (laughs) which is yeah very different so without this this bandwidth of contemporary Korean literature what writers did you turn to for inspiration So the Joy Luck Club was the first book that I had read in English with an Asian protagonist. And that was just incredibly mind-bending in terms of, like, I had never even realized that I wasn't reading about Asian protagonists until I read a book about one. And the way that Amy Tan kind of straddled the two worlds of China and America and how she would contextualize Chinese concepts and words and explain it in a way that didn't you know beat you over the head with it was just it really opened my eyes to the possibilities of you know 
encompassing both worlds. And so I, I would refer to that book over and over and over again. I'm writing an essay right now about that as well, just how she would sprinkle Chinese words and Chinese phrases, but, and, and also talk about kind of the context of every, every use of those. I actually, I haven't read that book yet, but I ordered it after <laughs> I heard you talk about it. So I'm, I'm very excited to read it. Cool. And speaking of, of reading, what are you reading right now? Um, so I had about five seconds to grab books from my bookshelf in Brooklyn before I, I left for quarantine in New Jersey. And I think it's very telling that I chose to bring Ted Chiang's book. Um, it's called Stories of Your Life and Others. It's a science fiction collection that is just so incredibly beautiful and heartbreaking and insightful and, you know, literary in ways that I didn't necessarily expect from a science fiction collection. But, you know, now I know better than to <laughs> stereotype science fiction collections. But I love science fiction um, and his was the best I've read so far. And again, like this title story, which uh, the movie Arrival is based on, um, it's about a linguist and a mother. And the way that he writes about motherhood, he's a, a man who doesn't have children. And the way that he wrote about motherhood <laughs> brought me to tears. It, may, it brings me to tears whenever I think about it. So, I mean, he is one of the greats. And then another book that I brought was Ian Lee, Dear Friend from My Life, I Write to You in Your Life. Um, and that's a memoir of her writing life. And it's just, again, she is someone I also refer to a lot when I was writing because she writes a lot about China and she's writing in English, which is her second language. And writing is her second career. She was trained as a scientist in China and only came over to the States as a graduate student of science. And so, again, she writes about China, but in English, and it's very, like, th in the heart of every matter that is very Chinese and contemporary Chinese issues, and is so brutal in her language, but so beautiful, and I, I heartily recommend her fiction and her nonfiction as well. <laughs> Those both sound like great recommendations. They are. I feel like I, I haven't read either of them, so I'm excited to do so. Yeah, they're awesome. So those are most of the questions that I have for you. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with people? Um, I think it's just been very interesting to see how South Korea has been covered in this coronavirus coverage. And I do get questions, I feel like, a lot about why Korea has been able to um, behave in a way that is difficult to replicate in the States. Well, it was very interesting to see how the coverage switched from, oh my God, we shouldn't let anyone from Korea into the country, back when you know Korea had the second mm -hmm. highest number of cases, purely because they were testing so much. And so the numbers seemed very high when actually other countries also had high cases and they just weren't and are continuing not to test as much. And so I think the cultural context of how coronavirus um, like response has been so starkly different in Korea versus here is also another expo 
exploration of the culture and the people and the mentality. And I think at this time when we see how different countries are reacting and how different countries are, you know, able to um, respond, like it, I think it's more important to read about other other cultures just to understand and be able to like implement that implement the good things and understand the bad things about different cultures so you know i'm really trying to explore other countries um, narratives as well and just educate myself as much as i can because it's very clear that reading about global narratives is more important than ever and staying insular only hurts you. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much such for, a treat to talk to you. for having me. And it's been such an amazing experience to work with you on this book. So I appreciate everything that you pleasure, are doing. The pleasure is all mine. Um, and by the time this podcast airs, If I Had Your Face will be out in bookstores. So everyone listening can go get a copy, which will be exciting. Yay. Virtual, Yay. virtual bookstore. <laughs> yes. yes, the virtual bookstore is correct. Yes. Well, thanks again. Thank Bye, you. everyone. Bye, Taylor. Thank you for listening to Books Connect Us. For more great book recommendations and information about your favorite authors, feel free to follow Penguin Random House on social media or visit penguinrandomhouse.com. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps more listeners to find our show. This podcast is produced by Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. I've been Erin Leaf, and until next time, this has been Books Connect Us.